Hey you, welcome to Tea Talk, a space to share the therapy tea. I'm Shailene, your host, and I hope you'll join me each week as we sit down to share tips, stories, and conversations on getting better emotionally, recovering from trauma, and improving your overall quality of life. I want to remind everyone that even though podcasts can feel therapeutic, they are definitely not a replacement for therapy. Please, at any point, if you feel the need to take a break because the content is too heavy, please do that and take care of yourself. Also, if you're loving this podcast, please do me a favor and leave me a review, share your reflections with me on Instagram and share it with a friend who needs to hear it. All right. So I'm ready. You're ready. And we're friends now. So go ahead and sit down, cozy up, and let's get ready for today's episode. Hey, everybody, this is probably my 12th take, and I'd rather not do this again. So I'm just here to say this episode might be upsetting. Maybe not more upsetting than the decision itself to overturn Roe versus Wade and to increase access to guns despite the recent shootings. So those are the things I'm talking about in this episode. If that feels really heavy to you right now, feel free to just skip right along and go to the next episode or come back next week catch something older, but whatever you do, take care of yourself. And that's the ultimate priority. The other thing that I want to ensure I mention is that I use the term globally women when I talk about the Roe versus Wade case. Please know that this includes cisgendered women, trans women, girls, adults, teens, anyone with reproductive organs, anybody that's impacted. So I don't want anyone to feel excluded. And I wanted to mention that at the beginning of this episode. It's heavy, but I hope that it's helpful and that it sparks something for you. Let me know what you think. And as always, take care of yourself. Enjoy. Hey, everybody. Shailene here again for an unprecedented two-part show. I recently recorded the first episode of season two. And in reflecting on that episode, I thought I would name it Felt Ragey Might Delete Later. I was talking about quite a few things. Some of them involved just some vulnerabilities that I was going through, sleepless nights, sickness, things like that. And then I talked about the shooting in Uvalde where all these little children were killed and the frustrations that I, and I think a lot of other people have with just the way things are going here in the good old US of A. And also just the pure level of exhaustion and fed upness that many therapists are experiencing. Like we're trying to help people through their traumas and they cannot get up because they're dealing with all this other shit and so are we. And so anyways, I recorded that episode, some time went by and then Last week, the Supreme Court decided that after the shooting, and despite a recent poll that I saw that says more than half, I can't remember the specific number, but it was significantly more than half people in our country here in the United States want stronger gun laws, they went ahead and they passed a law that made it a bit easier for everyone to conceal and carry. So first thing I'll say here... Well, I guess what I have to say first is that then I got real ragey. I got like super freaking pissed, not just because of that. But then like right after that, they said, do you know what else we're going to do? We're going to overturn Roe versus Wade. And we're going to say that it's actually not constitutional. It's not 
within a woman's rights to be able to choose if she should carry her child to term, her unborn child fetus to term. And so I have just been having a freaking hard time with that. And I know a lot of people are. And I have to tell you, in in recording this episode, I have some anxiety about it. Why? Because it's not easy to talk about really hard things. And generally when I do, I mean, some people who know me might think, okay, Shuleen, you literally talk about whatever you want, whatever you're thinking, you'll say it. There's truth to that, but not without some effort. And you might even hear that little shake, shake, shake in my voice as I talk about some of these things. But here's the thing, like I cannot not talk about it. And so there's a good chance that I will say some things and will hurt people's feelings and piss people off and people may come for me on the gram or Facebook and whatever else. Not like that would be anything new, but it doesn't feel great to stand up for some of these things. And at the same time, I can't not. I've made a commitment that I'm going to be a part of something changing for the better of humankind and humanity. And so when these things happen, it feels like a direct conflict of what my goal would be if I were to just say nothing and say silence. So here I am, more ragey than I thought I was going to be because these things have happened. And so I think the thing that I want to focus on is why this is so important. So back in 2016, when Trump got elected, I was one of those people that cried after he was elected. And I will tell you why. First off, I remember being in like third grade. And when I was in third grade, I think it doesn't matter. I won't bore you with like who was running for president at the time. But we were doing these little projects in third grade where we would color different states, red or blue. And then we would compare it the next day with like which party got which state and if we were correct. And I remember this so vividly for some reason, like coloring these states. I had no idea. I was just like, I don't know, this one's red, this one's blue. Have Like, why would I know I was in third grade? But I remember at that time thinking to myself, will I ever care who the president is? Like, will that ever really matter to me? This seems like something adults are really into. I don't know that I'll ever care. I also remember being in maybe kindergarten and I was talking to one of my parents' friends. For, I remember this. I lived in Staten Island. Their friend's name was Sonny. He was outside with me on the swing set. And I remember saying to him, when I'm an adult, can I still watch cartoons? And he was like, I still watch cartoons. And I was like, cool. So felt good about that. But anyways, I highlight this because it was a defining moment for me where I realized how much I cared and didn't even know. So, you know, the night of his election, I'll tell you, it was actually that next day, the morning I woke up And I was surprised to be crying. A lot of people cried. And I know that there's a lot of memes about that. And there's a lot of Facebook posts about, oh, you guys all cried. I say you guys because it's usually referred to as the Democrats or the people on the left or whatever. I'll tell you why I cried. I cried because it scared the shit out of me that somebody could so publicly be so hateful and so disrespectful to women and be president. Like that scared the shit out of me. I remember Chris looked at me, my husband was like, are you crying? Cause it was just, it's not something that I would normally do. I don't think I realized I cared that much, but at that moment it wasn't about like who won, who lost. I was scared. I was like, this is scary. What does this mean for our country? If we're headed in a way that like people pick this person. And so that was that. But in between I've noticed, you know, there obviously are a lot of debates 
going around. There's a lot of polarities. There's a lot of just separation that's going on. And it's that's really scary too. That's really concerning too. And so all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, because it's been kind of getting worse over the past couple of years, but now it's very much like, who are you here for? Who do you support? Can we be friends? You're my family member. Will we even talk again? You know, it's just, it's gotten really, it's gotten bad in that way. And, and in that way, it's really scary. But in watching some of these debates, and when I say watching, I don't mean me tuning in and watching debates. I mean me just being on Facebook and then seeing the back and forth in the comment threads. I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about if you're on social media. And one of the things that I keep seeing is like this criticism about people crying. You know, when something happens, why are you all crying? And whether they're referring to like me as an individual or the collective, whoever didn't vote for Trump or whoever was against whatever the ruling was or the decision or... Democrats or the left or whatever. I don't want to speak for all of those groups. I just want to speak for myself as a therapist, as a trauma therapist in particular, as a woman, and why this is so important and why that's so damaging. So one of the things that I hear a lot or that I read a lot on social media is that, first of all, there are therapists out there who believe that politics and therapy don't go together. And then I think there are also non-therapists who believe that, like, for example, you know, listening to this podcast, everyone knows it's related to mental health, but people are probably tuning in like, why does she have to take it there? I'll tell you why these things matter and they actually do go together and they actually are really important to consider. You may know of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I'm taking it back. And if you've never heard it, you can Google it, but it's basically a triangle and Maslow talks about this hierarchy as a way to conceptualize what humans need in order to be motivated to get things done. And so there's five basic categories. There's physiological, safety, love, self-esteem, and self-actualization. And it starts at the bottom. So the bottom's bigger. And they're in order of priority. So the first thing is physiological needs. So this is like air, food, water, shelter, somewhere to sleep, having clothes, being able to reproduce. Those are physiological needs, right? So that means without those things, it's actually really hard for me to pay attention to anything else. And this makes sense given my sleep stories in the past episode. Like my expectations for things had to really just change based on my capacity because I wasn't sleeping. My physiological needs weren't met. And so the ability to focus on like building something in my business um, or doing something to develop my self-respect. Like these are things that are just not priority at that moment because I need my basic needs met. The next part up is safety, personal security, job safety, finances, having resources, having good health and, you know, just the space that you're in. And so if I am not safe, then it's really hard for me to focus on things like love and belonging, esteem and self-actualization, those other things at the top of the pyramid. And so I'm not going to go into all of the other ones, but this is my point. If you don't feel safe, so this is the other thing about safety is we can objectively be unsafe and we can also feel unsafe and our brain responds the same way. And so what I mean by that is like you as an outsider might think that I have no reason to not feel safe. And objectively, maybe there is no reason to feel unsafe. For example, if I start feeling anxious or panicky about, you know, talking on this podcast right now in this moment, there's really no reason to feel not safe objectively because I'm sitting in my house. I'm sitting in front of a computer. I'm literally talking to my face right now. So right now there's nothing dangerous happening. 
And so people could argue, well, you know, you shouldn't feel scared or you shouldn't feel anxious because there's nothing actually wrong right now. That doesn't matter to my brain. It doesn't matter to my nervous system. It still feels scary, right? So we really can't tell other people, here's when you should feel scared. Here's where you should not. That doesn't really matter because the brain is going to do what it's going to do to keep us safe and protected. And so and what does that mean? Why does that pertain to having this change on gun laws that actually after the shooting, it expanded gun laws? And I'm not claiming to be an expert on any of these topics. And I'm sure I'll misspeak on things here or there. But the whole point is that it didn't become less easy. It became easier. Now it is one degree easier for people to be walking around with guns based on this decision that changed. That can and does make people feel unsafe. Why? Because you could walk into a store and mind your own business and get shot. And the easier it is to have guns, the more guns there will be. So in theory, more people will die by guns. Let's talk about the Roe versus Wade decision. And so this was a court case that happened, and it was ruled in 1973, the Supreme Court ruled that the Constitution of our country, the United States, protects a woman's freedom to choose whether or not to have an abortion. And so here's the thing. There are different factors that go into why somebody would have an abortion. But what I see in the polarities on the internet And again, the polarities themselves are very damaging, being like, I'm right, you're wrong, but this is kind of how our countries become. And so you've got people who are pro-choice, right, who are very for Roe versus Wade and want it to stay that way because it's there for a reason. It's to protect women's rights to make decisions with their bodies. And then you've got pro-life, and the pro-life stance is that We need to protect that fetus from the time of conception, which from the time of conception is not even a fetus yet, until and through birth, which I'll talk about that in a minute, because it's kind of ironic, right? Like it's kind of ironic that the pro-life stance in ways invalidates the pro-choice stance, right? Because if the person that's making the decision can't make that decision, then are you pro that person's life? And again, I... I'm talking about extremes that can happen. And so anyways, what I see people posting about is that thank goodness that Roe versus Wade was overturned so babies don't have to get murdered. What? Like, how did we get here? How did we get to thinking that this was what this case was about and that preventing abortions meant that this was actually going to be this huge pro-life movement where all of these babies were going to get saved? Not as important what might happen to that woman Because the other thing that I've been reading and seeing, this is not me looking for information, I'll just say too, this is just me being on Facebook and things that have come across my feed or or things that I've come into back and forth with in comments. Other things I've seen are stories of women who have shared that they are still here and alive because of Roe versus Wade and the decision to be able to have an abortion when they found out that they were at a position in which if they did not choose to have an abortion, if their medical team did not recommend it, that they would no longer be here, that they would be dead. And so you've got these two extremes, right? Like, what about the woman on the table, like the medical table? What about what goes on with her? What about people who were forced into pregnancy through rape, through incest, And so, like, I think people on the other side are like, but those are extremes. And then you have the people who are pro-choice saying, right. And so is the idea that having abortions is some form of birth control and that 
there are women out there who just want to murder babies. Like it feels really hard to get behind. I recently listened to a podcast episode with Charlie Swenson on To Hell and Back. He did a, an episode on gun violence and gun control and stuff. And he did such a great job kind of highlighting this polarity and how the struggle is, is we've just become so reactive to the thing that we see on the outside. Like we become reactive to the headline, right? Like women murder babies or women get raped and then has the choice to abort the pregnancy. Like we're getting stuck in this way of only looking at the extremes and forgetting all of the information that's in the middle. But back to my point here as to why this matters and to why there are people crying, why there are people scared out of their minds, and why political issues and social justice does cross with mental health and overall well-being and healing is because remember, if my brain tells me that I'm not safe, then it's going to be hard for me to do anything else. Think about the last time you were really afraid of something like, if you ever had the time where you walk into your house by yourself and you think you heard someone upstairs and so, I don't know, you grab like a bat or a broom or something, or I don't know, maybe you grab a gun and you slowly walk upstairs. And in those moments, just remember what that feels like. You're kind of zoned in on just those moments. Your senses are probably really heightened. You're doing whatever you can to track noise and to keep your movement slow and stealthy in order to you know, potentially sneak up on this person and keep yourself safe. Safety is the only thing that is right in front of you. And then probably what happens is, is you realize that there was nobody there, that you were scared, and then you'll tell somebody that story later about how you chased a noise upstairs and said hello as if somebody would respond to you with a broom or whatever. And then you move on and you're fine. But it's a lot harder to move on from things like that when they keep happening and when there's actual danger or threat back there. And so right now, I don't envision myself, and I'm privileged to be able to do so, I don't envision myself to be in the position to say that I would need an abortion. At the same time, the thought that somebody else could make that decision for me or take the choice away from me, and it has to do with my body, that is terrifying. In the same ways that it was terrifying, or I felt really terrified in 2016 when I saw this man get elected that said things to women that were just incredibly vulgar and disgusting. And I'm not saying that there are any politicians who are out there who are like scot-free of that. It was just so public and so overt. And in ways it was kind of celebrated. And that was really scary to me that the leaders of our country were in that position and that people picked this person as the best of the two. I agree that there's a lot of times that it doesn't feel like there's a best of the two. I also believe that the president is not going to be the one person that's responsible for all of the change. I, I feel a bit naive when I think like that, right? Like, so on the one hand, I was terrified that he was going to become president because of those things. And at the same time, I was also aware that there are all of these other people in places of position to either okay the decisions that he wanted to put in place or shoot them down. What happened further that was scary was that he put other people in positions that were aligned with his values and way of thinking or whatever it is that drives him to make these decisions. And so the question is, is like, what comes next? There's some talk that other decisions and rulings by the Supreme Court will be looked at and potentially uh, the goal would be to overturn them if they are deemed to be unconstitutional, like the ability for gay couples to get married 
And so if that becomes something that's on the table to become overturned, it's like, wait, what? Like, how did we get here? People are making decisions about us humans as to who we should be with and who we shouldn't be with. And again, just the decisions over what happens to our bodies. And that's terrifying. And so when I think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it keeps people stuck in those lower levels. It might not keep you stuck at the lower level based on wherever you are in life and whatever's relevant to you at this time in your life. And that's great if it doesn't. But there are still a shit ton of other people that are going to get left behind. And that's not okay. It's not okay with me. What I would hope to be like the rules of just common humanity. And so when you ask why somebody's crying over these decisions that you think have nothing to do with the person that you're talking to, when you ask why I'm talking about things like this on a mental health podcast, and when you ask why trauma and the political scene have anything to do with one another, this is all why. This comes down to people's basic needs and their ability to feel safe in their own body, not even like on the outside. I mean, the whole gun control thing, that's a very scary thing. And you know, the other thing I was thinking about, my husband was mentioning this. It's like with guns becoming more accessible, more people will get guns because then there's going to be this very valid point that if everyone around you has a gun, but you you're probably going to want a gun. You're probably going to want a gun in order to feel safe. And so that problem, it's a transactional problem. Like one thing impacts the other and then it gets bigger and then it gets bigger. And for me, I don't know that I'll ever feel safe in the presence of a gun, but I completely understand that there are many people who do. And I get that, especially the way that things are in the world. It's like more people have them. And so I understand why more people would want guns to feel safe. And I also understand people who believe that there will always be guns, right? Like there are going to be guns that are illegal. But like, I think that to rigidly hold on to the Second Amendment, which the Second Amendment is, this is stated directly, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So I get the people who are like, but it's our right. It's important to pay attention to what our rights are. But how do you explain that? How do you explain that that part of the amendment stands, but that people don't have the freedom to choose medically what happens to them and their own bodies? I don't understand it. I don't get it. How do you take the pro-life stance but then forget about the person after they're not a baby anymore. Like when that baby turns into a pregnant woman later on down the line and then doesn't have the right to choose, what about her life? I don't get it. And the vagueness of the Second Amendment, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. There seems to be a whole bunch of missing information in between the argument of guns versus no guns. Can we get somewhere in the middle? When the Constitution was written, the guns that are out now, they weren't there. Can you imagine like what their reactions might have been like had they seen some of this? And like my other thought about this, the right to bear arms. Like, can I walk around with a grenade? Like, would that be okay? What if that's my arm? Those are the arms that I choose to bear. I want to walk around with a grenade. Which, by the way, one time I took a trip to Mexico, I was like 18, and I'm pretty sure my cousin 
we were walking and somebody approached my cousin and said, do you want to buy grenades? And we were like, what? And we just kept walking. <laughs> but seriously, like, I don't get it. I want to understand it for the purposes of knowing that we have to come together and change things. Things cannot stay like this. The more divided we become as a unit, as a country, it seems like the worse things are getting. And we're forgetting that all of the people are that. People, that women, that black people, that immigrants, like these are all people. But that's just somehow become forgotten because the Second Amendment says that you can't take my guns away. And because women are murdering babies and we're going to protect that and we're not going to let that happen anymore. Like, how the hell did we get here? <sighs> so what's next? I spoke to why it matters. I spoke to why people are freaking the F out, why they're crying, why people can't get their shit together, because this stuff keeps happening. And it's not what it seems. It seems like, I think, to a group of people... We're going to stop women from murdering babies. How can you not get down with that? And it's like, oh, my God, no, there's so much information missing from that sweeping generalization of a statement. And so if somebody were to come to you and say, listen, this is how it's going to be with your body in your house. Here's what you can have. Here's what you can't have. You're going to be OK with it. Are you going to feel OK? Are you going to be able to move on to things like self-actualization and self-esteem? I don't know that you're going to be able to. We need to look out for each other. And this is not the way. I'm curious to hear what you guys are doing to help move through these super murky, confusing, infuriating waters. I think I spoke a little bit about this on the last episode. I want to get more involved. I need to take an actionable step. It's very hard to stay motivated and inspired and to not be hopeless when shit like this keeps happening. Let me tell you, I would love to talk about anything other than political things. I would love it. I don't like talking about this, number one, because I get completely enraged. Number two, I'm not an expert on any of this stuff. I will tell you why it impacts mental health and why it's important for everyone to be considering. That I feel very passionate about. But like, I don't want to be the one who interprets the Second Amendment. I don't want to have these damn conversations, but... I also can't not given what's going on. And so here we are. Here's my imperfect talk on how screwed up things are right now and how everyone has to care about it and do something to move us out of the shithole that we're in. On the last episode, I talked about taking actionable steps. And so one of the things I said I wanted to do was get involved on a local level, go to some school board meetings, even though my son isn't in school just yet, and just hear conversations, have conversations, be a part of those discussions about how to keep kids safe, whatever that might look like. I hadn't taken any steps yet other than talking to some other friends about how I wanted to do something and not just keep talking about it. So that was something, I haven't gone to any meetings yet or even looked at any meetings, to be honest. So then these two things happen and I'm freaking pissed again. And here's the thing, it's like, you have to feel the feelings, feel pissed, feel enraged, feel hopeless, feel sad, feel devastated. Whatever it is, you have to feel them and then you have to get up and get moving because this can't stay this way. And so 
I wanted to be able to have actionable steps that I could actually talk about completing by the time I spoke on this. This is one actionable step, talking about this, even though I would rather not. kind of makes me want to bomb it. But here I am, did that. Um, The other thing that I did was I found a shop on Etsy that was a women-owned shop, and I bought some T-shirts, some Roe v. Wade T-shirts, Protect Women's Rights T-shirts, And um, is that going to save the world, my shirts? No. But I hope that having more awareness will just maybe help start some conversation that might move somebody in a a direction that's even one degree further from where they were before. If we're going to make change in this country for the better, it's going to be due to millions and billions of tiny changes, not one person who's in charge of the country in their changes, one group of people in charge of the country. By the way, did I say earlier, I think I did, that a majority of people in the country do want some changes to gun laws. It doesn't mean take the guns away, but things need to change. And also, more than half of the people support Roe versus Wade. I'm saying more than half because I don't remember the exact statistic, but they were high. One of those was around 80%. I can't remember if it was Roe v. Wade or the gun control, but they were both very high. So what the heck is the Supreme Court doing that's in interest of the country? It's all about like what political party you're in, which is complete bullshit. Whatever party you're in, it doesn't matter. They're supposed to be there to help the country and to help move the wants and the needs of the country forward. They've got their own agenda. They're not listening. And so here we are. And that's why it's so important for you to be a part of the healing of everybody by doing something. And there's no action step that's too small. Maybe you get up and you just read about what's going on. Maybe you buy a t-shirt. What else did I buy? Oh, I bought a sign for my yard. Yeah. I always walk around and see them. And I was like, maybe I should get a sign. Bought one from a black owned business. And I felt good about that. So it might be a sign. It might be a pin. It might be a social media post. It might be taking time to learn more. I need to do that too. Take time to learn more about what's going on. So that way when I have conversations or when I come on the podcast, I'm better equipped to have the conversations that I feel needed to be had. Right? Like do my research, do my homework, have all of that. So there's no step that's too small. I hope that if you're feeling any of those feelings that I've met, like there's no right or wrong way to feel. I hope that we can move towards seeing the other side in the interest to create space to have more conversations that are not one-sided, not rigid, not polarized, because the more that we're polarized, the less we're talking to each other, the less we're figuring this shit out and moving forward from it. So please let me know what you're doing chat with me on Instagram. I'd love to hear more about it. I need more ideas for myself. And I hope to also bring a story on. I have a couple people in mind who might be willing to come on and share their story of how Roe versus Wade being overturned impacted them, um, specifically after having to make the difficult decision to have gone through an abortion. So I hope to bring an episode like that to you guys at some point. I just don't know exactly when it'll happen, but I didn't want more time to go on without speaking about this. And so if there are people who are listening who 1000% disagree with the things I say, I still appreciate that you've listened up to this point despite that, because again, I think that that's what we need the most is like listening, hearing out, and then working through it together. I recently finished 
Brene Brown's book. And, and one of the quotes that just keeps coming to me lately is like, I'm not here to be right. I'm here to get it right, to make it right. This to me is not about being the expert on any of this because I'm far from it and I have no desire to be. I'd actually love if you're an expert on any of these topics to so please come and talk to me. <laughs> but I just want people to be okay. And people included in that is myself, my family, my clients, my community, kids, women, black people, the LGBTQIA population. Like I just want people to feel okay, to feel safe in their bodies, to feel safe in their environment. We all deserve that. So that's all for today. I'm done raging for now. I will continue to use skills to get myself back down to a level playing field emotionally. I will say that talking through this, my heartbeat has slowed down. So I've become a bit more calm in, in talking about all of this. A lot of opposite action to get it out here. But the episodes coming up will be more hopeful. <laughs> and hopefully less of a downer than this one might have been, but it's important to talk about important things so that way things actually change and happen. Again, thanks for listening. I will see you all next week with a new episode. Take care. Be well. All right, that's today's episode, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Tea Talk. I hope that your cup of tea is full today and that you were able to pull something out of this for yourself. If you know someone that needs to hear this episode, please send it their way and let me know what you're thinking by sending me a message on Instagram. I love hearing from you all and make sure to follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And if you are loving what you're hearing, please leave me a review and a rating. It would mean so much. All right, friends, take good care and I will see you next time.